Hey, my friend, it's Julie Clough here, your life and grief coach. Welcome to the Build a Life After Loss podcast. I'm thrilled to bring you uplifting grief support and hope for rebuilding your life one small step at a time. Our mission is to offer hope, loving compassion, skilled support, and effective steps to healing after loss. Let's get started. Hello, my friends. Welcome to episode 150, top three problems in grief. Okay. I love numbers like 150. Anybody else? Do you geek out about numbers too? (laughs) It's, It's just so nice and neat. This even 150, pretty exciting, pretty exciting to be at this place of 150, having podcast for over three years now. Craziness. Today, I am leaving in a little bit to set up for a gala. I am the vice chair of our chamber in the area, and it's a rather large chamber, and our gala will have 400, approximately 400 people will be there tonight. And we hold it in this hockey arena, and they put plywood down on the ice And we have this incredible event in this big arena. But when they asked me a couple of years ago, if I would consider being the vice chair of the chamber, I asked a lot of questions. I I wanted to know exactly what those responsibilities were and how much time it was going to take and so forth. And I have been very, very invested in the local chamber here since I moved to the Salt Lake, Utah area, because I was brand new. I knew no one. I knew no one here. And at the time I was opening a chiropractic business that my husband and I owned. So I really got involved in the chamber and I loved it. I loved my association with other business owners, people working in different activities, all the different businesses. I just loved it. I loved meeting all these people. But when they asked me to be the vice chair, I, you know, I asked a lot of questions because that seemed like a, a pretty huge responsibility. And I asked for 24 hours to think about it. And the the man that had called to ask me to be the vice chair this um this last couple of years. When he called and I said that, he said, boy, I wish I had thought of that because I guess he just said yes when they called and asked him to do it. And he's done a phenomenal job. I, I serve with the most amazing people. So after they asked me to do that and I thought about it and I said yes, and I went to my very first executive committee meeting. And in that very first executive committee meeting, they said, okay, we have the gala coming up, you know, in a few months. And Julie, as the new vice chair of the the chamber, you will chair the gala. And I was like, wait a second. <laughs> Nobody told me that. I asked a lot of questions. I asked what the responsibilities were. I asked about the time commitment and, and got into the, you know, exactly what was I expected to be at and what were my responsibilities and so forth. And this never came up. And honestly, it's probably a good thing because I may have turned down the opportunity to be in this leadership role in the chamber if I'd known that I was also going to be chairing the gala because that freaked me out 
quite honestly. And even though I've been a part of organizing and even leading conferences and things before, this one was outside of my comfort zone because it's such a big social event. And I'm used to doing things that are a little more structured and not so not not so party-ish, I guess. I don't know. For whatever reason, it freaked me out because I would go to the gala and I would just be so impressed with what they did. But what I realized was I was acting as the chair and there's a, a president of the chamber and there's a full paid staff. And then we have a lot of volunteers. And so as I was leading this, I realized I showed up and I led the meetings and I did, you know, took care of my responsibilities along the way, but I really let go of feeling like I had to do it all. And what I mean by that is I wasn't always thinking about it and thinking about other people's responsibilities and the things that they had been assigned we would have our meetings, we would check in, we'd answer questions, we'd problem solve, all those things. So why am I bringing this up today? Because I'm getting ready to leave for the day to set up for this gala. The gala is tonight. So this is going to be like a 12-hour thing. I'm going to get there and it's going to be 12 hours before the event is over and we leave. And it's a big deal. It's a lot of work. And as I, as I started to think about going into the day, I started thinking about things like, are people going to think that I'm doing enough? Am I, am I showing it? Because you guys, I struggle with my thoughts too. You know, I have those moments where I kind of spin out in concern about what other people think and how am I showing up? Am I doing this right? All that stuff. And as I saw my brain start doing that this morning and see how I talk about my brain, like it's outside of me, because in an essence, it is the brain is a tool and we got to learn how to use the tool. And instead of just letting it run the show, I get to get involved and run my brain. So when I saw my brain start questioning all these things, am I doing enough? Are people going to think that I'm pulling my weight and all that stuff? I, I just immediately shut that, that down and, and said, you know what, I'm going to do the best I can, like everybody else is going to do. And what other people think is up to them. So today I want to talk about the top three problems in grief and why and how that's this story plays into the top three problems in grief, because the top three problems in grief are things that we always deal with, but when we're grieving, we deal with it at an intense and elevated level. The grief that you feel tends to kind of explode everything make everything harder and bigger. So I have five pillars to my coaching program, the things that I help with. The first, of course, is grief. And then as I I pondered and I thought about like, what are the main things that I dealt with in grief that I see other people dealing with in grief? And those four things that I identified very early on were confidence, our health, because we just 
don't take good care of ourselves when we're feeling bad, having a sense of purpose, feeling like we belong in the world and like we have a purpose because a lot of times that gets shattered. All these things get kind of messy during grief. And the fourth thing is our relationships. We struggle with our relationships. So two of the things, two of the three things that the problems in grief that I see frequently, and I would say in almost every person that I coach deal with all three of these things, two has to do with confidence, has to do with that pillar of rebuilding our confidence. And one has to do with relationships. So the first one that has to do with confidence relates to what I was just talking about in the gala. So last night I was on a call and they were teaching about health and different things that we can do to be and stay healthy. And one of the things that she mentioned in this training was that in order for a cell to survive, the membrane has to be there. The membrane, like if the membrane gets damaged and destroyed, the cell dies. And what is the membrane of a cell? It's the border. It's the boundary. It's the thing that pays attention to what comes in and what doesn't come in. What gets expelled from the cell and what doesn't get expelled from the cell. It's like the brain of the cell. And that's what we deal with too, is boundaries and creating that boundary between ourselves and other people. And when I felt myself in that position this morning, where I was thinking about, well, what are other people going to think? And are they going to think I'm doing enough? And am I putting enough work in and all that stuff that I could have easily spun out in, but I shut it down and said, that's not my concern. I'm going to do the best I can. I'm always going to be doing the best I can. And what other people think about what I'm doing is what they get to think about it. That's a boundary. That's a boundary. Like I am setting an energetic boundary that says, I'm going to do the best I can. So this is, that's what I'm going to leave in my space. If you think about a cell and a membrane in my space, I'm going to confirm for myself that I'm doing the best I can and it's going to be great. It's going to be wonderful. And I'm, I'm going to, I'm always going to be doing the best I can. I'm going to show up and I'm going to work and I'm going to support people and I'm going to solve problems, but what other people think and how they're feeling and how they're experiencing the situation is not my responsibility. So it's outside of my boundaries. And I find myself coaching on boundaries a lot because we, it's something that we all deal with. I deal with it. You deal with it. It becomes a bigger deal when we're grieving because when you're grieving, your energy is more limited and it's okay that it's more limited. It's the way it's supposed to be. It's the thing that's helping you to slow down and to allow your soul, your body, your spirit, your essence to heal from the experience that you've had. But then those boundaries get tested because other people have other ideas. They have other ideas about how 
you should show up. They have other ideas about what you should be doing and how you should be using your energy. And that's all good. And you can listen to that to a certain extent. And especially if you're hearing the same things over and over again, not from the same person, but from other people, you can use that information and you can examine it and you can ask yourself, do I want to shift things? Is there a need to shift things? Is there some truth in what they're saying? But you don't have to immediately assimilate it. You don't have to take down the boundary and say, everything they're saying is true and I need to change everything because of what they're saying. No, you have a boundary. You have an energetic boundary. I mean, like just imagine that you're living in a bubble. It's a loving bubble. It's a bubble that you fill with with beautiful thoughts about yourself and about your experiences. And I know that's hard, super, super hard in grief. But when you fill it with some self-confidence, some self-worth, some value for yourself and your experience, and you honor the experience that you've had, and you honor where you're at, and you accept where you are, not that you have to stay there, but you accept where you are so that you can be in that space in a loving way, in a, in a way that's self-compassionate. And then you create and you decide what comes in and what goes out, which absolutely leads us to the very next problem that I see or the problem that I help people with, and that is shame. Shame is tricky. We don't even realize, we don't even recognize the shame that we experience in grief. But when we're thinking thoughts like, I should be doing better, what's wrong with me? I've got all this wrong. I'm a terrible person because this happened to me. Those are all shame statements. Every single one of them. Every single one of them is saying that I'm bad. I'm doing something wrong. I'm bad. And it's crazy when you think about it. When I started to really, really think about this, sure, every single one of us, me included, everybody, everybody, every family member, every friend, every person that you come in contact with, including yourself, has flaws. We all have flaws. We all have things that we identify and we know we want to be doing better. And we get that. We get that. But when we make our flaws mean that we're bad, we're not bad. We just have these little areas where we realize that we want to improve, but it doesn't make us bad. We can very quickly, again, escalate thoughts of I'm doing it all wrong. And and we just escalate it to the point of I'm a bad person. And this is just not true. You're a wonderful person. You're amazing. You have so many fantastic qualities. It's just, it's mind-blowing to me how fantastic you are. All the gifts that you bring to the world, all the beauty that you bring to the world. 
but you can mask the beauty of who you are with shame. And shame is so escalated in grief because those feelings that we might've been feeling before something bad happened can, you know, we, we had the capacity to regulate those, to recognize, and frankly, sometimes I've been better at this than others. I had to learn over time that just because I did something over here that I didn't love that I did doesn't make me a bad person. I hope you see the distinction there. And I hope you'll start to really, really practice some beautiful self-compassion and start to give yourself so much love and credit for the beautiful person that you are, even when you're grieving, even when it feels like everything is hard, even when you may not be showing up the way that you have in the past or the way that you want to, it's okay. So the third piece, the third piece that I find myself coaching on a lot is relationships. There's a lot of tension in our relationships anyway, and I'm going to do a whole podcast possibly next week about some of the conflicts in our relationships and um, and why we have those conflicts and the patterns of our relationship conflicts. But I just want to touch on this briefly that when we're hurting, it is so easy to be hurt by other people. And it is so easy for us to get caught up in what other people are doing and what they're telling us and what they're saying, which I touched on in the boundaries and the shame, right? It's all interrelated. It's all interrelated. And these are the three most common problems that people have in grief. And I was really kind of ticking through my brain and thinking, is there anyone that I've coached that hasn't dealt with these three things to one level or another, it shows up differently for different people. Totally completely shows up differently for different people. But if you find yourself dealing with one or two or all three of these issues, you are not alone. You are absolutely not alone. One of the reasons I wanted to share with you these three common problems in grief is because I wanted you to see that you're not alone, that this is part of the process, that these are issues that we deal with day to day, but in grief, it just gets escalated. And so if you're feeling this more intensely, if you're feeling it and recognizing it to a greater degree, it's okay. This is part of the process. This is just part of our journey through grief is recognizing that these things come up and that they're hard. So let me reiterate again, the three most common problems in grief, the three most common things that I coach on, or I find myself coaching people on, because I I just coach you exactly where you're at, exactly where you're at, exactly what you're dealing with in that moment what's going on right now and how can we solve or relieve the problem? Okay. So those three things are 
personal boundaries, shame, and relationship tension. If you're dealing with any one of those, then reach out if you're interested in one-on-one coaching. But I remember how hard and lonely my journey was through grief after my divorce, after my brother died, and then after my kids died. It was super hard. I had to scratch. I had to claw my way through, not understanding what I was doing at all, or if I would even make it through because I felt so alone and I was without a guide. I wanted to give up over and over and over again. And it's why I show up here because I want to share with you what I learned in the process of clawing my way through. And I want to save you the additional burden of having to figure it all out yourself, figure out what's normal, what's not, how to solve these problems. If you're enjoying the podcast, you are going to love the True Hope Club, where I walk you through the tools of grief recovery. And for a limited time, you can get in for two weeks free at buildalifeafterloss.com slash join. Join us today and I'll be there with you every step of the way. I got this beautiful message from a True Hope Clubber this week. She said, I love the True Hope Club so much. Lots of capitals, lots of O's and that so. <laughs> and I'm so grateful for it and you as well. It is such a comforting place to go when I need support and words of love and care. Really thankful for it. Exclamation point, exclamation point. All right. Come join us there. Buildalifeafterloss.com slash join. Get your first two weeks free. And remember, I believe in you. Love you. Bye.